I'm a huge piece of shit. You're a rich girl and you're gone too far cause you're dancing in the moonlight. lyrics for lunch this is the show where if you get a cat you scratch it what the f- <laughs> wow wow Look, I, don't, no I don't know what this song whatsoever. is i don't fucking know what the song is <laughs> the only thing i know about this song which is not even about the song is um the song from rent when she's like do you he's like do you go to the cat scratch club then she goes that's where i work i dance help me look yes they used to tie you up it's a living i don't I've never i didn't seen recognize you without the handcuffs so we could light the candle you gotta watch rent I don't think I do. I think I just witnessed the whole thing. <laughs> Why don't you forget that stuff? You look like you're 16. I'm 19, but I'm old Actually, for my age. Well, you're, getting, you're getting closer to, to the topic of this week's episode. <laughs> great, 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 great. I thought that you were low energy. You said you were low energy like five seconds ago. And now you're, you're in act two of Rent. <laughs> look, Rent and cats get me really excited. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh huh. Hello, I'm Lindsay Tucker. I am a writer, and uh, oh, okay. We're just going right into it. I you, He's you a pause. V. I don't know. So <laughs> I, wait, I have a question for you. Sure. Do you think that <laughs> that cat scratch fever is when you just can't stop scratching your cat? No, I know that cat scratch fever is when your cat scratches you and you get itchy right you get sick yeah itchy, <laughs> itchy. no you, there's like bad things that happen anyway i'm rubenstein i'm i'm your i'm the co-host of this show and i'm driving the bus today in one of the kind of it's a very personal episode for me um and i'm very excited to talk about this week's song in question which is cat scratch fever however before we do that we have a little trip to the mailbag we do. Um, we do. It's mailbag. It's mailbag. It's the bag is really mail. Excuse me? <laughs> there was like a, there used to be a snick skit. I think it was on all that. And it was like, I forget the name. I, I don't know. It was something like, oh, it's ear boy. It's ear boy. His ears are really big. Remember okay, that one? Sure. Do you remember that one? No. Mm-mm. No. At Amanda Kramer's on on Twitter says, so glad to have you back. Really enjoyed the Sex Pistols episode. Didn't love listening to both sides now so many times. Damn, that song is boring. Judy Collins at least gave it some energy. Even at 1.2 the speed, it couldn't save Joni's 2000s version. You know what, Amanda? <laughs> she, she goes on to say, Nimrod, parentheses, time of your life. It's a uh, time of your life, per- good riddance, parentheses, time of your life, was played at my eighth grade graduation in 2000. Same. Also, that vitamin C graduation song. I hated both as a brooding 14-year-old. At least they didn't play the sunscreen song. You know Whoa. what? I got nothing to say, Amanda. If you want to be a just, hater, just... Just fucking hate it. Hate is gonna hate. 
And lastly, but not leastly, from um, just Amanda. This is the person asks, that sent us an email subject line, Aviv hates music. I do hate. Well, <laughs> guess, guess who else hates music? Exactly. Uh, Amanda also asks for my take on the B-52s. I am kind of agnostic toward the B-52s. I obviously know Love Shack and Rock Lobster. I think they're good songs that have been overplayed, but I don't know any of their like deeper cuts. Um, but I, you know. I, I maybe we'll do a B fifty twos episode. I should let's do that. it. Um, both sides now rules. That's all I have to say about that. Both sides now does rule. Yes, yes, <laughs> very good. Freddie of Freddie and the Fab says, "Dearest Lindsay and Aviv, firstly, welcome back to the land of pods. We, the inhabitants of planet Earth, have missed you. Ah, thanks. Mm. thanks I thoroughly enjoyed your episode on the Sex Pistols. Whilst listening, it reminded me of a story that I had completely forgotten about." My first girlfriend's mom went on a date with Sid Vicious. Well, technically her friend went on a date with him, but my ex's mom went along because her friend didn't want to go by herself. She told me that he... I can't imagine why not. (laughs) Well, listen to this. She told me that he still lived with his mom at the time, that he sold vacuum cleaners, and he was a very nice boy. Oh, Very nice boy. Your episode nice. also reminded me that the legendary hypocrite Johnny Rotten Breath Lydon appeared in the early 2000s in a television advert that was played all the time. What was he selling? Anarchy? Doc Martin boots? Safety pins? Nope. The face of punk was selling butter. Great. Your friend and correspondent on all things British, Freddie. Now, we're going to um, just do a little quick watch of this butter commercial. <laughs> sure. Do I buy country life butter because it's British? Do I buy country life because I yearn for the British countryside? Or because it's made only from British milk? No, I buy country life because I think it tastes the best. It's not about Great Britain. It's about Great Butter. This, uh, the, the, like, subtext of this butter ad is like, are you a racist? Eat this butter with me. Right? However, when he spread it on the toast, I got a little hungry for toast and butter. Okay, but does it have to be, like, white butter from white cows or whatever? No, it does not. This is an email from Tracy. She says, hello again. I worked at a Disney hotel in Orlando from 98 to 2000. I was a bit too old to be a boy band band but i met so many people working at disney that would name drop all the boys bands names like it made them important it seemed everyone knew them at some point since half of them worked at disney or universal at some point one girl i knew was dating a backup dancer of aaron carter and went on tour with them for a bit eye roll emoji then when making the band happened bunches of wannabe teen stars stars in quotes stayed at my hotel during auditions never watched the show so i'm not sure if it was the first round or auditions or what but i know as a 26 year old i was rolling my eyes walking through the lobby of the hotel while kids ran around singing and dancing and acting like they were already famous and being filmed right then and there the ego vibe was seriously high it was a trip i have many fun stories from working at disney but those are for another time and place tracy welcome to los angeles tracy (laughs) thank you for writing in we love to hear your own personal brushes with the uh artists that we've talked about maybe not any brushes with the artists that we're going to talk about today no we still have uh, another mailbag 
I did a segue in everything. All right, we have one more mailbag. On a more serious note, we have uh, another note from Michelle on Instagram. And this is also, this one is relating to the Sex Pistols episode. And she said, y'all, I adore the show and I'm so thrilled y'all are back. I do wish though that sexual assault of this teenage boy were not treated so lightly in this episode. We have a grown woman who is supposed to be his caretaker playing with a teen kid's pubic hair which is not okay switch the genders and you'll see it immediately then an adult woman has sex with him while he's still a teenager of course he's depressed after that he's a survivor of childhood abuse and exhibiting symptoms of experienced trauma indisputably like michelle is absolutely right that we were kind of laughing at the idea that malcolm mclaren's grandmother like sewed ribbons into his pubic hair the other thing is the i think part of the reason that i was laughing at least is like this guy is not to be believed about anything i do generally believe that this happened though and we shouldn't be laughing at any kind of sexual assault gender swapped or otherwise and i mean i look i'm not i don't i totally agreed with michelle and i was like yeah we 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 treated the alanis morissette situation situation completely different than we treated this one that's 100 percent true um i did not think that the pubic thing was okay i think i said that but yeah i mean it was just it was mishandled so we apologize yeah. we we do apologize um yep so we'll get another bite at the apple today because uh today we're gonna be talking about cat scratch fever by the legendary ted nugent do you go to the cat scratch club okay so Lindsay, <laughs> what do you know about ted nugent he's an asshole but do you know why he's an asshole or what for? Yeah, for being extremely pro-gun. Sure. So that's that's definitely part of it. So this 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 episode is inspired by one of my stu- an incident that I had with one of my students. Okay. So if for listeners of the SVU podcast, you you'll have heard this already. But uh, I have I had a student last semester whose name was Ralph. Are you allowed to say that? Isn't that against his name? Is an actual his name isn't actually Ralph. Okay. Also, HIPAA is medical. I know, but you know what I mean. This would be this would be FERPA. Oh, Um, FERPA. FERPA, yeah, F E R P A. So yeah, uh, Ralph is not his real name, but I'm using the name Ralph to uh, protect protect the guilty. So Ralph was in a, a class, and he pitched me the idea for a movie, and the movie is about four teenage kids who like really love ted nugent and go on like a road trip to see ted nugent i hate this also it's already been done dude right yes so the idea that detroit rock city exists notwithstanding you know i was like hey man like you shouldn't do this this movie already exists (laughs) it's called detroit rock city and he's like yeah but this one won't take place in detroit because because Ted Nugent's the Motor City Madman, so they go to Chicago. And I'm like, Detroit is Motor City. Motor oh City God. is Detroit. Oh, my God. But anyway, so for the, for the rest of the semester, I would, like, sort of poke fun at him because Ted Nugent just, like, sucks. Like, he's, like, not a good musician. And I also mentioned that he was a bad person. So at the end of the semester, Ralph actually complained about me to the dean. Oh! Because I... In, in telling him that Ted Nugent was a bad musician and a bad person, apparently discriminated against him for his political beliefs. 
So, you know, in my heart of hearts, I don't think I did. However, I had to be honest with myself and I, I avoid conservative media and generally avoid taking political advice from rock stars in general. But I had to ask myself, why do I think Ted Nugent is a bad person? Is he actually a bad person or am I just existing in a liberal echo chamber and regurgitating what I've heard from like Twitter, right? So thus begins our investigation. Is Ted Nugent a bad person? A bad person. All right. So Ted Nugent was born in 1948. He's the third of four siblings in Redford, Michigan. Third of four siblings, Redford, Michigan. Correct. He grew up in a military family. His father was a career army sergeant. And Nugent himself never served in the military, even though he came of age during the height of the Vietnam War. So the one thing that every single article mentions about Ted Nugent is this story. Every, like, no matter fucking from what era, they talk about this story. In two separate interviews, one from 1977 in High Times and one from 1990 in the Detroit Free Press, Nugent claimed that he claims that he deliberately failed his draft physical for Vietnam by eating nothing but junk food for days beforehand and shitting his pants and shitting his pants, shitting in his own pants. And like he didn't bathe like he just like looked like a fucking mess in order to purposely fail his draft exam bad person i'm actually kind of this like makes me kind of like him a little bit but let's let's take a look so this is from high this is from the high times interview in 1977 the interview asks how so this is like 10 years post him avoiding the draft and so in 1977 the interview for high times asked him how he got out of the draft and ted says high times the weed magazine Mm-hmm. okay so Ted was a young boy appearing to be a hippie, but quite opposite working hard and playing. Ho- so this is Ted's quote. So, so Ted is referring to, he's himself calling himself Ted. in the third yeah. person. Okay. Ted was a young boy appearing to be a hippie, but quite opposite. In fact, working hard and playing hard, playing rock and roll, like a deviant people would question my sanity. I played so much. So I got my notice so i got my notice to be in the draft do you think i was gonna lay down my guitar and go play army give me a break i was busy doing it to it i had a career jack oh my <laughs> if god i was walking if i was walking around hippieing down getting loaded and picking my ass like your common curs i'd say hey yeah go on the army beats the poop out of scuffing around the gutters but i wasn't a gutter dog i was a hard-working motherfucking rock and roll musician I got my physical notice 30 days prior to the physical. Well, on that day, I ceased cleansing my body. No more (laughs) brushing my teeth. No more washing my hair. No baths. No soap. No water. 30 days of debris buildup. I stopped shaving. I was 18. I had a little scraggly beard. It really looked like a hippie. I had long hair, so it started getting kinky, matted up. Then two weeks before, I stopped eating any food with nutritional value. I just had chips, Pepsi, beer, stuff I never touched, buttered poop. Buttered poop? Buttered poop. Little jars of Polish sausages. I drink the syrup. I was this side of death. Then a week before, I stopped going to the bath. I stopped going to the bathroom. I did it in my pants. <laughs> no. Poop, piss, the whole shot. My pants got crusted up. Stop it right now. We're on page one of 15, <laughs> Lindsay. Oh, my God. We're never going to get through this. <laughs> so... At, so the first thing I see, I'm like, yeah, did I peg Ted Nugent wrong? Is he fucking awesome? <laughs> my pants. 
it's got crusted up. Okay, continue. <laughs> Mike, the quote continues. See, I approach the whole thing like Ted Nugent, cool, hardworking dude is going to wreak havoc on these imbeciles in the armed forces. I'm going to play their own game and I'm going to destroy them. Now my whole body is crusted and poop and piss. <laughs> I was ill. And... Th- three or four days before i started staying awake i was close to death but i was in control i was extremely anti-drug like i've always been but i snorted some crystal meth what (laughs) talk about one wounded motherfucker crystal he said crystal methadrine but crystal meth (laughs) okay talk about one wounded motherfucker a guy put up four lines and it was (laughs) for all four of us but i didn't know and i'm vacuuming that poop right up and i was walking and i was a walking talking hunk of human poop i was six foot three of sin so the guys (laughs) i have to get through this so the guys (laughs) took me down to the physical and my nerves my emotions were distraught i was not a good person i was wounded but as painful and nauseous as it was because i was really into being clean and on the ball i made gutter swine hippies look like football players i was diviano i don't know what that means so i went in and those guys in uniform couldn't believe the smell. They were ridiculing me and pushing me around, and I was crying. But all the time, I was laughing to myself. When they stuck the needle in my arm for the blood test, I passed out. And when I came to, they were kicking me into the wall. Then they made everyone take off their pants. And I did. And the sergeant says, oh, my God, put those back on, you <laughs> fucking swine. And then they had a urine test, and I couldn't piss. But my poop was just like ooze. So I poop in a cup and I put it on the counter. I poop on my hand and my arm. The guy almost puked. I was so proud. I knew I had these chumps beat. The last thing I remember was waking up in the ear test booth and they were sweeping up. So I went home and cleaned up. What? He just went and took a nap? Yeah, he, he, he knew that he had beaten the test, or so he says. Uh, they took a putty knife to me. I got the street rats out of my hair, ate some good steaks, beans, potato, cottage cheese, milk. A couple of days, and I was ready to kick ass. In the mail, I got this big, juicy 4F. They'd call dead people before they'd call my ass. But you know the funny thing about it? I'd make an incredible army man. I'd be a colonel before you knew what hit you. And I'd have been the baddest bunch of motherfucking killers you'd ever seen in my platoon. But I just wasn't into it. I was too busy doing my own thing, you know? Um, all right. So a lot to unpack there. Tell me more. What, what are your thoughts? <laughs> like, beyond, sure, it's hilarious. Yeah. However, there are just a lot of people who... I think what's bothering me the most is he's like, I had a career, you know, like this is very classist and very. And and also he's like, but I would have been the best army man that there ever was. He's so Trumpy. So incidentally, 29 years later in 2006, Ted Nugent denied all of this. Oh, shocker. Yeah. So he he told this story twice. He told this story in 1990 and in 1977. The one version that you just heard was 1977. So 29 years later in 2006, he denied this whole thing, claiming that he told the story to high times to like fuck with some hippies or something. So this is from the independent in 2006. I never shit my pants to get out of the draft. (laughs) And the, the independent guy is like, you also told them that you took crystal meth before the medical exam as a result of which, and I quote, I got this big juicy 4F. Nugent replies, unbelievable. Meth? 
Yes, that's my drug of choice. You've got to realize that these interviews would arrive with glazed, these interviewers would arrive with glazed eyes, and I would make stories up. I never did crystal meth, and I never pooped my pants. <laughs> I've never pooped my pants. Yes, everyone's pooped their pants. It's called Every, being a baby. <laughs> and the, and the, ind- the interviewer from the Independence, like, but you did dro- dodge the draft, though. And then what do he say? He said, I had a one Y, which was a student deferment. I, enrol- I enrolled in Oakland Community College. The interviewer fires back. You said that you wanted to, quote, teach the stupid bastards in the military a lesson. I'd have thought that you'd love the army. Because you're a gun nut. Because you're a gun nut. Um, and he says, back then, I didn't even understand what World War II was. So basically, the interviewer says, basically... You didn't want to get your Michigan ass blown off in Vietnam. And Nugent's like, correct. I did not want to get my ass blown off in Vietnam. Yeah. Spoilers. No one did. He further stated in 2018 on the Joe Rogan Experience podcast that in 1969, he passed the draft with flying colors. So what happened? He passed the physical draft. Yeah. So... This is what really happened. Uh, Nugent's selective service classification record shows that he initially qualified and took the student deferments, the one Y. And then when he was no longer enrolled in community college, he received a, a draft rating of IA until he failed the physical draft. The dra- I'm sorry, until he failed the draft physical in August of 1969. After that physical, he was rated one Y, which was a registrant qualified for service only in times of war or national emergency and that classification was abolished in 1971 and he was reclassified that 4f so that indicated that he was ineligible for military service under established mental or physical or moral standards Um, so he did poop his pants (laughs) so it seems like he may have pooped his pants yeah oh my god the four, the one Y and four F classifications were usually reserved for those with significant medical or mental issues. But we're not here to talk about Ted Nugent the soldier. We're here to talk about Ted Nugent the musician. Oh my god! Like the draft is stupid. The draft is stupid. This is why I'm like, okay, this is like the one thing that everyone says. I don't like hate him for doing this. I kind of hate him for being like, I would be the best soldier ever. Like, fuck you. Okay. So, in 1965, while Nugent was a student at St. Viator High School in Detroit, he joined a band called the Amboy Dukes. The Amboy Dukes, okay. Amboy Dukes, yeah. And the Amboy Dukes' second single was a song called Journey to the Center of the Mind. That was like their biggest hit. Uh, And it featured lyrics written by the the non-Ted Nugent guitarist, Stephen Farmer. Uh, The album was called the same thing journey to the center of the mind and the cover features a diverse array of drug paraphernalia but nugent who was always an anti-drug campaigner claimed that always claimed to this day that he had no idea that the song was about drug use so let's take a quick listen to the amboy amboy dukes singing journey to the center of the mind journey to the center of the mind i don't is that is that that was do it do that do be one more one time. more time this is never <laughs> so you can see the album cover so it's like I, bongs what are those things yeah it's like who they, they look like hookahs i think that it is conceivable 
that you don't know that this is drug paraphernalia. This might like that looks like it might be an opium pipe on the left. But if you didn't know, wouldn't you ask? Like Maybe. it's the cover of your own album or single. Yeah, right. Well, he's not a. I wouldn't con- consider him a really uh, inquisitive mind. Okay. Cheers behind Come with us and find The pleasures of the journey to the center The pleasures of the journey to the center of the mind Is not super ambiguous, I think Come along if you Take a ride to the land You know, it sounds psychedelic Yeah, I was going to say, I, pretty psychedelic I wouldn't necessarily say that it is like cut and dry that this is about drugs but it's like pretty about drugs it's pretty much about drugs i agree also the number one comment this is kind of apropos of nothing but the number one comment of for this video on youtube is someone called usmc u.s marine corps veteran and he says, late 60s was great for music like this. I'm 61 years old and still listen to rock and roll loud. This song was released in May 1968, the month I turned 13 years old. Loved now and still love it then. Baby boomers, man. That, that comment sucked. S- sorry? That comment sucked. That comment sucked. But it's like... <laughs> This is this is the the baby boomer mindset. It's like music peaked in the summer of 1968. When I was Incidentally, 13. the the <laughs> month that I turned 13. Yeah. Um, okay, so we can we can jump out of that. Oh, I did. Oh, so on April 5th, 1968, the day after the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., Nugent joined other musicians in a tribute to Dr. King by having folk rock and uh, by having a folk rock and blues jam session. So he like hosted this jam session. Joni Mitchell played, Buddy Guy played, and Jimi Hendrix played. At one point, he believed in the civil rights movement. Jesus. I'm I I tried to take a as dispassionate as possible journalistic look at whether Ted Nugent is a bad person or not. Well, I really appreciate that because I'm being extremely biased. I can, I can tell. <laughs> so my mind just made up. However, <laughs> I'm opening it slightly for this. Yeah, just for you, right? Yeah. Thank you. So after settling down on a ranch in Michigan in 1973, Nugent signed a record label uh, signed Hold a up. record deal with. You're just going to like glaze over this after settling down on a ranch in Michigan? Yeah. He's from Michigan. He bought himself a ranch with all of his music money. Okay. Tell me more. Is this like Dutton Ranch? Like how big is this ranch? It's a big ranch, but this is like his property. I think he still lives there. Like like, this is a place that he has had forever. And And it's in Michigan? It's in Michigan. That's where where he's from. And is it a cattle ranch? Um, I don't think that he like raises cattle but he definitely hunts that's like a thing that he does for sure yeah okay i hate that well you're not alone (laughs) so after settling down on a ranch in michigan in 1973 nugent signed a record deal with frank zappa's discreet records and he recorded call of the wild which is an album that he did but the the reason that this is notable is he revised the band name to Ted Nugent and the Amboy Dukes. Oh. And then the following year, Tooth of Fang and Claw, 
and um that established a fan base for Nugent as like his own personality, right? Just bef- before that, he was just a member of the Amboy Dukes, and now he's Ted Nugent. Tooth and Fang and Claw had the song Great White Buffalo on it. We don't have to listen to it. It's not, it's not a great song. Okay. But in 1975, personnel changes within the Amboy Dukes like wrecked the band. So in 75, he just dropped the Amboy Dukes name and started playing under the name Ted Nugent. And half the band members were still Amboy Dukes band members, but like whatever. Okay, so they're still playing with him. But Some now them, yeah. he's just like calling it he's Ted just Nugent. Ted, yeah. And so in 75, he releases an album, Ted Nugent, which goes two times platinum. In 76, but, he releases, on. yes. What does he do in the band? Plays guitar and sings. Okay. He's like the guy. He's so He's the solo not one that of you, the out of focus guys. Not one of the out of focus guys. No. Okay. He is both Russell Hammond and the Jason Lee Jason character Lee. whose name I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, he records. He releases five five albums in five years. In seventy three, he releases Call of the Wild. Seventy four, Tooth Fang and Claw. Then in seventy five, he becomes just ted nugent and releases ted nugent which goes two times platinum 76 he releases free for all which also goes two time platinum and then 77 he releases cat scratch fever which goes three times platinum so i don't know basically any musician that can release five albums in five years and you know go collectively more than seven times platinum that's crazy and who are who's his fan base like at this time at this time, it's just like kind of like people who like Leonard Skinner. Like it's like rock guys. He's definitely like a rock and roll guy. Okay. Now it's finally time to listen to the song of the week, which is Cat Scratch Fever. <laughs> So this is Ted's face that I'm looking at? This is Ted. Yeah, that's Ted's face that you're looking at. Um, One of the YouTube comments just reads, no drugs, just 100% mental instability. (laughs) The perfect cross of James Hedfield and Weird Al Yankovic. He does. Yeah. So, I mean, if you listen to bands like Free or... um, I feel like this is like... They're also contemporaries of like ACDC. Sure. It's a, it's a riffing song, you know? I just can't stop staring at his eyeballs. That's how he gets you. <laughs> this just sounds very generic. It is extremely generic. That's like his whole thing. Is like, you can't afford a memorable song, you go to Ted. But it's completely competent. The riff is riffy. The solo is solo-y. You know? Sure. So this is 1977? 78. 77, yeah. 
Now, what made you choose this song? So Cat Scratch Fever is Ted's biggest hit, and it peaked at number 30 on the Billboard charts. What? But he went multi-platinum? Three times platinum, yeah. With, With his fifth album in five years. So, like, he was a big star. I guess, you know, number 30 is not nothing to sneeze at in terms of, like, a hit. But, you know, he was just like a rock and roll I believe it's time to do a dramatic reading of the lyrics. Oh, my God. Well, I don't know where they come from, but they sure do come. (laughs) Why are you already laughing? (laughs) Just the well. Well. (laughs) I hope they're coming for me. And I don't know how they do it, but they sure do it good. I hope they're doing it for free. They give me cat scratch fever. Cat scratch fever. Well, the first time I got it, I was just 10 years old. I got it from some kitty next door. What? Well, I went in and seen the doctor, and he gave me the cure. I think I got it some more. They give me cat scratch fever. I got it bad. Cat scratch fever. <laughs> this is disturbing already. It's nothing dangerous. I feel no pain. I got a cha-cha change. You know, you got it when you're going insane. It makes a grown man cry, cry. Oh, won't you make my bed? (laughs) Won't you? What? Oh, won't you make my bed? Well, I make a pussy purr. Oh, sorry. That was probably you. (laughs) No, no, that's you. Well, I make a pussy purr with the stroke of my hand. They know how they're getting it from me, and they know just where to go when they need their loving man. They know I'm doing it for free. I give them cat scratch fever. So, Lindsay. Yes. What do you think this song is about? Um, STDs and a 10-year-old getting an STD? Uh, I mean, maybe. <laughs> From Song Facts, Nugent explained the origin of this song in an interview with Ultimate Classic Rock. He said, I had seen a medical journal back in 1975. I opened it up at I opened it up and at the top it said cat scratch fever. And I'd never heard of that before. What's that? So later on, that lick, that that riff was cataloged in my memory bank, and I went, Cat Scratch Fever. 
I had fun with the lyrics. That's it. Also from song. No, no, certainly. <laughs> also from song facts. Cat scratch fever is a real condition. It's an infectious disease caused by cat scratch that usually affects young children. Nugent, however, changes the meaning to make it much more lustful with the cats being women. The song is about sex and his rampant desire for it, or put more succinctly, directly by Nugent, quote, it's about pussy. Oh, God. So despite most of the songwriting credits on these albums being listed solely as Nugent, like as solely Ted Nugent, the band's guitarist and backup vocalist, his name is, uh, his last name is St. Holmes. St. Holmes claims that many were co-written by the whole band and that Nugent took sole credit as a way to avoid paying them royalties. You know, I, you know, I love a royalty scam. (laughs) I know. I'm like, this is a theme. So in 1984, Cat Scratch Fever was interpolated and reworked into the song Gary's Got a Boner by The Replacements. Wh- okay, hold on. What? The Replacements? <laughs> the Replacements. The dudes that sing Can't Hardly Wait. <laughs> this is on the same album as Can't Hardly Wait. Gar- How does it go? Gary's Got a Boner. Well, it's in the click on the link and we're going to hear it. <laughs> So you hear the riff, right? I do. Fever, Gary's got a boner. A boner. 100%. Yes. <laughs> Same. Gary's got a boner. <laughs> All right. Okay. I actually really like the replacements. Um, okay. So, more about the song. Music supervisors sometimes willfully disregard the song's true meaning and use it if they need a song about a cat. It shows up in the 2006 movie Garfield, A Tale of Two Kitties. No. It certainly does. It's a kid's movie. I know it is. Okay. So after Cat Scratch Fever, Ted's career takes a bit of a downturn. He, oh. he, he joined and then left a super group called Damn Yankees. So quick digression on Damn Yankees. Nathan Smith of the Houston Press says this about them. Damn Yankees was a glossy 80s rock supergroup with Ted Nugent, the wuss from Sticks, the bassist from Knight Rider in it. They had a minor hit with the obnoxious power ballad, High Enough. High Enough fucking sucks ass. All politics aside, this piece of shit has got to be some of some kind of human rights violation. What? If there's anything that can bring right and left together in this country, it's the universal understanding that high enough should be waterboarded, shot, and buried at sea. Then we may as well set the sea on fire because we because we ain't never going back there. 
Oh, good God. Okay. Well, I'm so afraid to listen. A, it's like a quick <laughs> flaming listen. piece of poop. To, this flaming piece of Ted up. Nugent's pants. We're going to hear more from Nathan Smith in a minute. Oh, I can't wait. Hey, Shan. What seems to be the problem around here? Don't worry about it, ma'am. Just them damn Yankees. Just them damn Yankees. Meaning people from the north? I guess. I don't fucking know, man. Where do you think Michigan is? South South North. It's a shame I've got to live without you anymore. There's a fire in my heart. My man just rhymed anymore with anymore. Driving me crazy. <laughs> we don't need to talk about it anymore. Yesterday is just a memory. And we close the door. I just made one mistake I didn't know what to say When you called me So this song was on the. You remember those like Time Life power ballads compilations that would get advertised on late night TV. Yes, yes. This was on that. That's the only context in which I know this song. <laughs> Did you have that CD? No, but I I remember very vividly the commercial. All right, that's enough of that. I I like this better than Cat Scratch Fever. <laughs> well, Nathan Nathan uh, Smith from Houston Press does not agree with you. Me and Nathan have to agree to disagree on this one. Back to Ted's solo career. Oh, uh, I want to list. <laughs> I want to list you some of the names of his other records. Okay. So we're so rapid fire. Ready? All right. Weekend Warriors, State of Shock, Screen Dream, Nugent, and so these records by virtue of their title aren't horribly offensive then we get to penetrator in 1984 (laughs) little miss dangerous in 1986 if you can't lick them lick them in 1988 which what does that even mean what does that even mean if you can't lick them dot 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 lick them so i think it's like if you can't beat them give them oral sex (laughs) if you can't give them oral sex beat them up i don't know (laughs) okay yes i'm with you and then (laughs) yeah what does that even mean he then takes a seven year break until 1995 when he releases spirit of the wild then another seven year break to 2002 when he releases caveman no and then another five year break till 07 when he releases love grenade (laughs) so for someone who released five albums in five years and sold more than like eight million copies to that to be taking these like huge breaks i don't know i have some theories that he was like alienating the people around him that were actually writing the songs but there's no real proof of that (laughs) so then 
what's wrong? You're just cracking me up. You're like the way you're like. There's no real proof of that. I don't know. It's just funny. I, this is what I think, right? <laughs> like, how do you explain writing five five albums in five years and then taking like seven years off to cattle ranch? So cattle ranching, right? So in 2008, uh, this is a 2008 article from Pop Dose. Rolling Stone once stated that the only good song Ted Nugent re- released after 1975 was the title, ta- title track to Cat Scratch Fever. That does seem a bit harsh, even toward the man who has created possibly more generic cock rock than anyone should have the right to make. <laughs> Is this album a classic? No, not even close. Even at his most powerful, Nugent is nowhere near the upper echelon of guitarists. Not enough soul nor creativity. Too much useless fretboard wankery. And his guitar is pretty much the only reason to listen to his records, as there is usually something lacking in the quality of the lyrics and overall songcraft. Though, it is a bit of a kick to hear Nugent's singer, Derek St. Holmes, sounding like a young John Mellencamp on Cat Scratch Fever. However, the song holds the most positive exceptions to this rule forget about the other hit from that album cat scratch fever which was called wang dang sweet poon tang which is lame even by nugent standards we just need to wipe the word poon tang from the human vernacular okay so this is our this is our our content and trigger warning so this This is this is my all-time high right now oh yeah this is the best it's gonna get for you (laughs) okay so then there's a, another seven-year break until the album Shut Up and Jam. Shut Up, One Word. Shut Up, One Word, and Jam. Shut Up, One Word, and Jam in 2014. And this coincides with a tour and a Houston Press article entitled The Five Most Repellent Things Ted Nugent Has Ever Done by Nathan Smith. Nathan is a huge Ted fan. Huge oh, Nathan's Nuge my, fan. <laughs> Nathan's my fucking hero. <laughs> so this is Nathan in the Houston Press. You know how we, uh, you know how we malign all these rock journalists for like saying fucked up sexist shit. Yeah, I don't mean Nathan. Not Nathan. Nathan. A cap does not apply to Nathan. <laughs> Quick question. Sorry to uh, derail us a little, but why is this always in the Houston Sun? Like, what is Houston? Houston Press. Houston so, Press. So the, the the quote, the Nathan quote from before, is from the same article. Okay. I just moved it around for okay. my own flow purposes okay so at an nra meeting in st louis in 2012 nugent was doing his usual stick advocating for guns and a democrat free government surrounded by his closest allies in the fight against non-nugentness so as 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 Lindsay mentioned ted is a huge proponent of guns and the nra and by extension believes in kind of conservative politics um so this is quote nathan smith Ted reached deep into his sack of hyperbole and pulled out an, appro- an apparently solemn vow that he intended to inspire his fellow heat packers to get Obama out of office via the voting booth, preferably, but by any means necessary. Quote, if Barack Obama becomes the next president in November again, so he wouldn't be the next president, he would just continue being president. <laughs> If Barack Obama becomes the next president in November again, I will either be dead or in jail by this time next year. Promise. <laughs> Nugent said, sounding tougher than a $2 steak. Okay. 
It was probably the nicest thing the Nuge has said about the president all week. This time, though, the violent connotations of his statement were enough to get the Secret Service interested in just how seriously Ted takes this stuff. The Homeland Security Agency took time out of its busy schedule to meet with Ted and gently remind him that while political criticism is protected speech, threatening the president with violence is highly illegal. Oh, my God. So the, the Secret Service had to take time out of their busy schedules paid for by taxpayers to go talk to fucking mm-hmm. Ted Nugent. It wasn't the first time either. On the campaigns uh, when Obama and Hillary Clinton were campaigning in 07, Ted Nugent uh, requested that both or either of them suck on the end of his machine gun. No. He did. Shockingly, back to Nathan, shockingly, Nugent did not make good on his totally credible promise to take up arms and fight on until death or prison upon Obama's reelection. Then again... (laughs) Then again, as the Secret Service concluded, his words are pretty meaningless. Not only did he not take up arms against President Obama in his reelection, on February 12th, 2013, Nugent attended the State of the Union address given by Obama. He was the guest of the U.S. Representative Steve Stockman of Texas's 36th Congressional District. They, like, brought him to be a turd in the punch bowl. Fucking assholes. 2013 was also the year that Nugent described Trayvon Martin as a dope-smoking, racist, gangsta wannabe. Are you kidding me right now? Nope. And said the slain teen's parents should be sued and held liable for the emotional pain and suffering George Zimmerman has been put through for the past 18 months. You want to hear the quote? I I, I guess. Quote Ted. Why wasn't Trayvon Martin educated and raised to simply approach someone he wasn't sure about and politely ask what was going on and explain that he was headed home? Had he, I'm confident that Zimmerman would have called off the authorities and everything would have been fine. Why the nasty... Okay, sorry, I just... mm, Keep going. Why the nasty, creepy-ass cracker racism and impulse to attack? Where does this come from? What is he talking about? Uh, hold, Hold on to your butts, Lindsay. This is still quote Ted. Is it the same mindless tendency to violence we see in black communities across America, most heartbreakingly in Chicago pretty much every day of the week? Where does this come from? And why is it so prevalent? What is he fucking talking about? Why is he even bringing Chicago into this? Well, because Chicago's code for black people. This is like, you know, Republican dog whistling. You know, Chicago is full of black murderers. No, I know. They can never stop talking about Chicago and violence. I know. Which is like a but this, Chicago's like a nice city. I know. I fucking love Chicago. If you hate Chicago so much, just stay out of it. Leave leave me to it. Um Seriously. by the way, this is pulled from a Media Matters article and this quote is described is described as racially charged. Oh my god. Alternate facts. Remember when we like didn't say racists? We didn't like call things racists. We were just like, hmm, this is a hot button issue that Ted's talking about exactly like the alternate facts situation alternate facts it's no secret that ted enjoys hobnobbing with politicians or that politicians enjoy hobnobbing with virtually any celebrity who can draw a crowd that's why texas candidate for this is an article from 2014 texas candidate for governor greg abbott parentheses from aviv who is the current governor of texas decided to have ted around on the primary season campaign trail and it would be a barrel full of laughs for all involved. Abbott found out the hard way, however, that Nugent's talent for, for, for publicity can be something of a double-edged sword. In an interview with Guns.com, because of course, 
Ted referred to a politician of mixed race heritage as a subhuman mongrel. No. Naturally, that politician was the president of the United States. Oh, my God. Now, if you're thinking that subhuman mongrel sounds like the kind of racist bullshit that the KKK would have to say about uh, Barack Obama, you'd be dead wrong. Even the Klan realizes that people might sound that for might find that sort of language off-putting in 2014. You'd have to go back at least until the violent vigilante Klan of the 1960s to find the the term subhuman mongrel used in public. Where? Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what i just i'm yeah mm, no words are hard right now um (laughs) like Mm -hmm. how did ted nugent become a talking head for politics i think that we're watching it happen basically which is that just as soon as someone starts becoming extreme and having an opinion then they're just like Especially because in the 2000s, it was really hard for Republicans to find any sort of like celebrity or well-known figure that believed what they believed because they're so reactionary. So they start adopting like, you know, Nugent saying this like fucked up weird shit has been saying it since the 90s. We're going to find out in a second. And then they start being like, Ted's a Ted's a slam. He's a home run. Oh, my God. Okay, Let's get Ted up here. Let's put him on a podium. Now might be a cool time to mention that in 1990, Ted told the Detroit Free Press that South African apartheid, quote, isn't all that cut and dry. And all men are not created equal. Oh, he he said that, huh? Mm -hmm. I thought he took a literal, I thought he was like constitution. I thought he was constitution. And I thought that he (laughs) was for the civil rights movement in 1968 when he did that benefit for Dr. King. So was he just doing that for publicity or? Who the fuck knows? We don't know. He got brainwashed. We will allow some of Ted's defenders to speak a little later in this episode. Oh, I cannot wait. Ted told the Detroit Free Press that South African apartheid isn't isn't all that cut and dry, and not all men are created equal. To uncover a little bit more about that, I did some digging, and I went to Media Matters, and their article, which is called The Worst Ted Nugent Interview of All Time. I mean, I've got to imagine that there are so many terrible ones. It must be really hard to categorize the worst. So Media Matters got their hands on an interview that Nugent did in 1990 with the Detroit Free Press. And they got their hands on like a paper copy because this is like so hard to find. (laughs) Um, And in this interview, he once again claims that he shit himself to avoid Vietnam service. Fantastic. But in addition to that, I I can't describe how many times he's talked about shitting himself. (laughs) It's a lot. Uh, this, is, this is from that Media Matters article. Discussing the system of racial, racial segregation enforced in South Africa at the time, Nugent said, while claiming that he had great respect for the indigenous people of South Africa, Nugent called them a different breed of man, <gasps> claiming they, quote, still put bones in their noses. They, wa- they still walk around naked. They wipe their butts with their hands. This is coming from the guy who pooped himself. Shit himself. <laughs> Same article. Jesus Christ. Also, like, not true. Not true. How do people turn out like this? 
you know, I mean, like when you never have to think about anyone other than yourself as human. We'll talk. We'll, he like he, there's like a, a running theme of like only him can do, dehumanizing can do people. Matters. Yeah. So he re- he manages a 40,000 acre ranch in South Africa. And this is a particularly sore point because the ranch is exclusively used for bow hunting, which is Nugent's passion. It says, quote. My being there, my ranch in South Africa, is not going to affect any political structure, he says. Besides, apartheid isn't all that cut and dry. The preponderance of South Africa is a different breed of man. I, I mean that with no disrespect. I say that with great respect. I love them because I'm one of them. They are still the people of the earth, but they are different. They still put bones in their noses. They still walk around naked they still wipe their butts with their hands and when i kill an antelope for them their preference is to gut is the gut pile stop that's what they fucking want to eat the intestines these are different people you give them toothpaste and they fucking eat it i hope they don't become civilized they're way ahead of the game (laughs) what like i do not mean to laugh but this is just so psycho and racist and insane and like yeah, what's what's wrong with he's he's a man of the people, Lindsay. <laughs> These are my people, but they're not really people. Yeah, yeah, I like them. They're not people, but I like them, and I wish everyone was like them. You know, not people wiping their asses with their hands, eating guts. <laughs> guts. <laughs> oh my god, I'm dying. And like, what is is Nugent's- Ted Nugent really just like going out there like crossbowing an antelope and then Apparently flinging so, the guts yeah. at people? Flinging the guts. You love this. <laughs> eat, the, eat some fucking toothpaste. <laughs> Nugent's comments came a few months after Nelson Mandela was released following 27 years in prison. Right. So that we're not actually talking about an uncivilized nation here. We're talking about the nation that imprisoned nelson mandela one of the greatest thinkers and leaders of all time for 27 years and he wrote like books in prison he doesn't have a bone through his fucking nose ted (sighs) yeah i mean what do you even say to that oh we're gonna we gotta keep going we can't say anything just yet (laughs) okay nugent also defends calling his musical tour in japan the jap whack tour the jap whack jap whack j-a-p w-h-a-c-k tour and what is that supposed to mean i don't actually know and his use of the the n-word are those those are not related though right unrelated Uh, weirdly they kind of are (laughs) quote i mean no disrespect i'm sure the japanese are wonderful folks and i'm if i'm with a bunch of guys we may talk about babes in a certain way i use the n he doesn't say the n-word i use the n-word a lot because i hang out with a lot of n-words and they use the n-word wait is he saying n-word or is he saying it no he's saying it good god just replace it with the word pizza okay yeah pizza great everybody loves pizza (laughs) um I mean no disrespect. I'm sure the Japanese are wonderful folks. And I'm with a, and if I'm with a bunch of guys, we may talk about babes in a certain way. And if I use the word pizza a lot, it's because I hang a lot with a lot hang around with a lot of pizzas. And they use the word pizza. And I tend to use that <laughs> words that communicate. I don't mean to offend. I'm a fun guy, not a sexist or a racist. Oh, I'm a fun guy. I'm a fun guy. Um yeah, so in the beginning when he was like, 
I love the Japanese and I might talk about girls a certain way. I was like, what is this guy talking about? He's just putting his foot in his mouth. Like, I'm a huge piece of shit. Yeah, but this and this is 1990, so like we just kind of allowed it to happen for just so <laughs> long. So, uh, among some other claims and anecdotes in this article from 1990, Nugent claims that he played music loud enough to kill his bandmate's aunt. Wait. Quote, we were practicing in the basement at this guy's house. His name was Harry Gary Hicks, and his mother kept yelling at us to turn it down. And of course, you can't play rock and roll quietly, so he kept on playing. And the next thing we know, she's yelling down, you killed her. She's dead. Gary, help me. His aunt had keeled over and died right as I was playing a solo. That's how loud we were. This guy is such a narcissist. He's insane. Like, there's no way that this happened. And if she died while he was playing a song, of the fact that he solo. thinks it was yeah. because of him. He also claims that he watched Jimi Hendrix die. Oh, really? Quote, I knew I didn't hold a candle to Jimi Hendrix with the guitar, but he was a total dipshit because he was always so high. I watched him die. And when they told me he was dead, I just said, yeah, so what? What do you fucking expect? <laughs> he said this. Apparently, yeah. I mean, he said this to the to the interviewer to the newspaper, but, but like, I don't true. know if he said this. Also, like, how come every fucking racist rock and roll guy's like, but Jimi Hendrix was cool. He had to die, but he was cool because fucking Clapton did the same goddamn thing. I was I was trying to pull that back out of the memory bank because I remembered someone else talking about Hendrix in a yeah, really stupid was, of way. It was Clapton, <laughs> but didn't he say he he didn't like him? He said that he he didn't like him because he like wanked too much on the guitar and like he was taking the piss and everyone lo- everyone the just girls loved, loved him because he was black yeah because yeah. black people have huge dicks this is uh, an Eric Clapton quote Eric Clapton still just just doing it just just being great um, did, the article did, did also Clapton hang out with uh, the Nuge Nugent I don't think so I think that they're like of different social statuses. <laughs> The article also described an incident which which was apparently not disputed by Nugent where he was arrested for carrying a concealed weapon while wearing nothing but a loincloth. Where? Oh, I'm glad you asked. It was while driving his girlfriend's Volkswagen Bug to a gig in Traverse City. He was where he was stopped by the police wearing only a loincloth and carrying a Bowie knife. Why? Was he high? No, he doesn't do drugs. Or so he claims. Except for that one time that he had to do crystal meth. He smoked that he snorted four <laughs> lines of crystal meth, which he definitely did not do. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, okay, back to Nathan Smith and the Houston Press. In deference to Abbott's campaign, Nugent eventually apologized for that half-breed mongrel remark, which he claimed, with a straight face and everything, had nothing to do with the president's race. He did not back off the suggestion, however, that perhaps Obama should suck on his machine gun. Dude. So, if that weren't bad enough, also in 2014, Huffington Post published an article called Ted Nugent's Jailbait Problem. Jailbait Problem? Jailbait Problem. Oh, God. So, when Ted was 32, he released a song called Jailbait. No. And here is a taste of the lyrics. Well, I don't care if you're 13, you look too good to be true. I just know that you're probably clean. Jailbait, you look fine, fine, fine. It's quite all right. I asked your mama, 
wait a minute, officer. Don't put those handcuffs on me. Put them on her and I'll share her with you. <gasps> Are you fucking kidding me right now? Nope. We're not going to listen to the song because I like will. Re- I've never heard the song, but this is from the Huffington Post, so I doubt that they're making it up. I, I, this is like a bridge too far for me. I can't fucking listen to this song. Right, I agree. We're not giving it any listens or air statistics or yeah. airtime. We're not doing. Does it slap on this? It does not slap. That the next, tr- the next track on the album is called "I Am a Predator." I am a predator. I am a pre- I'm not fucking kidding. Like he thinks so, this is fucking cool. Um yes, and 2 years before recording Jailbait, Ted Nugent had the novel idea of becoming the legal guardian to a 17-year-old girl so they could have sex without, you know, her parents having legal recourse. And they said yes. Okay, what back back that ass up. <laughs> yes. Tell, tell, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Ted Nugent is statutory raping a 17-year-old. So he becomes yeah, her legal he's guardian. 30, he's 29, 30. Yeah. And mm-hmm. her parents are said yes. Say yes. So that's say yes. Slavery. So signed her over Sex to slavery. him. So he, human mm-hmm. trafficking. Correct. So I, I, I cannot, I cannot believe it. I can't believe he fucking did this. He admitted this on VH1's Behind the Music. So there is a clip of him talking about the girl that he bought into sex slavery at 17. Holy shit. He also got right back into romance. Soon after his divorce, Ted found a new love, a young girl from Hawaii named Pele Masa. She was like a dream, a fantasy, exotic dream (gasps) to meet her. Ted was 30 years old, Pele just 17. I was underage, and even back in the wild 70s, it just really wasn't a terribly appropriate situation in most people's eyes. And now it would be criminal. Ted admits to a number of liaisons with underage girls, and while it may have raised eyebrows, it never raised the interest of local authorities. Ted charmed the girl's parents right along with his teenage lovers. And in the case of Pele, her mother signed papers making Ted her legal guardian. I got the stamp of approval of their their parents because they figured better Ted Nugent is some drug-infested punk in high school. Oh, my God. Pele says she discovered a tender side to tough guy Ted that his fans couldn't have, wouldn't have, ever imagined. Okay. All right. So this is just problematic in so many, so many levels. And I find Mm -hmm. it even worse that she's Hawaiian because he's such a fucking racist and exotic fetishizing he's exoticizing her right it's like he didn't get to go to vietnam and and buy a vietnamese woman from insect slavery so he had to do it with a hawaiian woman oh my god i'm so pissed off at this guy and 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 the just america in general yeah and and like the and fucking vh1 who's just like this is fine right we're i mean we're gonna put some dramatic music behind it but like you know. And then we're going to get her to talk about what a sweet guy he actually is. Yeah, that's a real weird one. Um, and it's worth noting that like this is not unique to rock and roll stars in the 70s. They like a lot of them sing songs about underage women, underage girls. A lot of them were in relationships with underage girls. But, you know, this sounds an awful lot like that line in Jailbait. You know, the one just before he urges the cop to handcuff the girls so they can both assault her. 
where he says, I asked your parents. It's all it's quite all right. I asked your mama. So wrap your mind. This is from the Huffington Post. Wrap your mind around this for a moment. The man wrote, recorded and released a semi semi autobiographical pedophile song and then campaigned with the likes of Greg Abbott and Rick Perry. Correct. And it's like we just accept this from our politicians. We expect them to Mm -hmm. be pedophiles and pervs and hang around with pedophiles and pervs. And it's like it's chill. So continuing with Huffington Post, we have a pretty good we have pretty good reason even beyond the autobiographical details to believe that the choice of 13 and jailbreak is not jailbait is not entirely comedic exaggeration. For example, Courtney Love claims to have performed oral sex on Ted Nugent when she was 12 and a half <gasps> years old. Oh my God, gross. When pressed in an interview, an uncharacteristically somber Courtney Love elaborated, I didn't have breasts yet. It's sick. This would have been around the time of Ted Nugent's 29th birthday. Why isn't he in jail? Uh, yep. So, you know, to be clear... Nugent says that he does not remember the incident with love. He is not guilty just because he is accused. That is an incredibly serious allegation. And given all, given that recollections are clouded by haze of three decades and God's know how God knows how many drugs it has to be taken with a grain of salt, except Nugent claims not to do drugs. Uh, who wrote that? You, this is no, this is, they're saying Nugent claims not to do drugs too. I'm saying that's that right Nugent that. claims not to do okay. drugs. Yeah. Um, Are they saying that Courtney did a lot of drugs? They don't. They don't yeah, believe her. I, I think that they're casting some aspersions on Courtney, which is like super fucked up. Yeah. Because like you don't just like do a bunch of drugs and then imagine, and imagine you gave a blowjob to Ted Nugent. Yeah. Jesus Christ. As a twelve-year-old, still, Ted Nugent doesn't say quote because I wouldn't have had sex with a 12-year-old. He just <laughs> says that he doesn't remember it. Right. Which is which is very disturbing. Extremely disturbing. But it's like, he can't even say I wouldn't have sex with a 12-year-old. He wrote the song Jailbait. Yeah, right. And rather than, den- this is the next sentence, rather than deny that he would have done it, Ted Nugent wrote a semi-autobiographical novelty song about how he'd like to have done it. Jesus Christ. He doesn't seem to see it as a very serious allegation. On the Joe Rogan experience in 2018, Nugent denied that he had ever been in romantic relationships with underage girls. What? What What is wrong with this guy? Other than when he was underage himself. But this goes against what Nugent previously said in the behind the music episode that we listened to, where he admitted to several affairs with underage girls. What a psychopath. What the fuck? Dude, this guy's literally the worst. So don't put but but but. But don't worry. Don't worry. Shemaine Nugent, Ted's wife. <laughs> exp- what the hell is Shemaine? Her website is shemainenugent.rocks. I need to see this woman. Um, she looks exactly the way you think she would. Um, so she is a... She, she says she's been a group fitness instructor for 40 years traveling the globe training zumba fitness instructors and sharing her passion for healthy living with others and she hunts and she hunts i guess yeah sure she's posing with a crossbow in a bra on her thing just on google images yeah and uh she got married to ted nugent in 1989 
And I think that she's still... Ted Nugent on Shemaine. She's the queen of the bathtub. Nugent described his wife as the queen of the forest and queen of the bathtub in which he snorkels, referring to their amazing sexual intercourse courses in his Facebook live stream. (laughs) Great. Queen of the bathtub. Um, Okay. So she says her husband Ted's sexism is just an act. Come on. During the controversy surrounding the subhuman mongrel remark, he was also widely criticized for his misogynist attacks on women, including past characterizations of Hillary Clinton as a worthless bitch and a toxic So as the, the free press interview notes, Nugent sometimes talks and sings about women if, as if they were sexual toys. This is a sexist person. You don't just not, go... Not according... <laughs> Not according to Shemaine. Shemaine's drinking the Kool-Aid. The new Jade. So, as the free press interview notes, Nugent sometimes talks and sings about women as if they were sexual toys. Indeed, the interview quotes Nugent as saying, when other guys were getting high, I would grab a couple babes, go squirrel hunting, and see just how many skirts I could get. Sorry, many, many skirts I could get. Oh my God, what a dick. The interview also contains a defense of Nugent's sexism from his wife. Quote, this is Shemaine. I shouldn't say this because I know he has an image to uphold, but as far as the comments he makes about to and about women, it's just an act. The person on stage is not the person I know at home. Things come out of his mouth on stage that I never heard before in my life. And I think, who is that person up there? The music turns him into another person. Dude, I don't give a fuck if it's if he's if it's an act. If it's an act, it's even worse. You think it's so fucking cool that you have to show all your followers what a misogynistic fucktwat you are? Also, you have. I mean, like, I think yes, what you're everything you're saying is correct. And also, like, if anything, girl, his the way he talks to you is the act. Exactly. He wouldn't think it was cool if he didn't think it was cool, which means he believes it for for in front of sixty thousand people. Yeah. So I don't want to make this seem like this is me. I don't want to make this seem like purely a hit piece on Ted Nugent. He deserves a defender. Sure. So Ammo.com, yes, really, (laughs) did a story on Ted called The Forgotten History of the Conservative Rock and Roller and Gun Advocate. Great. So I'm going to quote. I'm going to quote from this piece now. Okay, bring it on. Ted Nugent is I'm not I'm going to try not to do a voice. (laughs) Ted Nugent. No, Ted Nugent is known for making a lot of outrageous statements that, unlike most outrageous statements reported on by the media, tend to be 100% true and totally in context. (laughs) They call him the Motor City Madman for a reason. Motor City is Detroit, by the way, if you're listening, Ralph. But it's this intensity, sorry, but it's this energy that makes us Oh, my God. I'm going to throw up. But it's this intense energy that makes Uncle Ted who he is. He has frequently said that every gig he plays is the most important one of his life. Why are we calling him uncle now? This is this is what the article says. I'm quoting the article. It's from Ammo.com. Oh, right. He's their uncle. <laughs> it's their he has uncle. frequently said that every gig he plays is the most important one of his life. Anyone who has seen him live knows this isn't hyperbole. So the most important gig of his life, every gig is the one where he's saying, making those comments that are not truly who he is. Right. For anyone curious, Uncle Ted recommends a 22 bolt action for your first weapon. 
When a man who is one of the greatest guitar players in the history of rock and roll, citation needed, who claims that he could survive, quote, forever bare naked in the woods, recommends a weapon, you pay attention. And while we might not stand by every last word the Nuge utters, it's hard to come out against someone who does such a good job at irritating liberals and gun grabbers. Okay. Fuck this guy. And and fuck these people, right? There's like three more paragraphs of what kind of guns and ammo Nugent likes to use, and then the article concludes this way. Ted Nugent is one of those only in America stories like many other right-wing rockers. Goddamn. Elvis Presley, Gene Simmons, and Johnny Ramone okay, <laughs> are just some of the more obvious and awesome examples. Wow. Johnny? Okay. The EU and UK would have thrown him in jail for speaking his mind ages ago, but here in America, he's continued to exercise his freedom of speech despite being excluded by the media elites. Quote, I'm not in the leftist control rock and roll hall of fame because of my political views, primarily my lifelong militant support of the NRA, the second amendment. And I believe, and my belief that the only good bad guy is a dead bad guy. Okay. Who has he killed? I don't fucking nobody. Just a bunch of animals. He's such a piece of shit. Yes. I tried, you know, I tried to give him his his defense, his day in court. <laughs> uh, Nugent has starred in his own outdoor television show on the Outdoors Channel, named after his popular song "Spirit of the Wild." Uh, this is since two thousand one. The song "Spirit of the Wild" was the theme music to the TV series in which Nugent took viewers on a variety of wild game hunts using his bow. In the series, he taught and advised hunters and hands on cons- and hands on conservationists around the world on the different aspects of hunting and politics uh, in one the different episode, aspects of hunting and politics uh, that's what it says that's that's the that's the blurb in one episode of spirit of the wild nugent hits a young deer with a bow two game wardens saw the episode and later charged nugent with 11 misdemeanor violations of california hunting law thank god nugent pled guilty to two of them in 2003, Ted was the host of the VH1 reality television program, Surviving Nugent, in which city dwellers, such as model, Tila T- model and outward Nazi Tila Tequila, moved to Nugent's Michigan ranch in order to survive such backwoods activities as building an outhouse and skinning a boar. Why, yes, VH1 hired him back after admitting on their network st- of statutory rape. Dude, this rape culture thing is so prevalent, and yet I, I just I can't believe we don't talk about this, even though we talk about it every week. We talk about it every week, and like this is like when you know there are plenty of people of of all genders who are like rape culture is not real. They're usually men, but there are there are women who are like this too. Usually the older ones, and like this is what we're talking about right it's not that it's the it's that vh1 will allow ted nugent to talk all about committing statutory rape on their network and then give him his own show it's 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 a lack of consequences for these horrible horrid acts not is it only a lack of consequences it's rewarding that 
It's rewarding. Trump gets yes, to be 100%. president. Nuge gets to continue. It's <laughs> his own fucking show. <laughs> For whatever reason, I was convinced that Nuge was on The Apprentice, but I couldn't find anything about it. We really missed that one, unfortunately. In February of 2016, Ted Nugent praised Donald Trump's 2016 Republican presidential primary opponent, Ted Cruz. Okay. Stating, quote, my dream would be if Ted Cruz became president tonight. I really admire Ted Cruz on many levels, which is somehow worse. Literally. Like, I mean, Ted Cruz is the most hated person in Washington. He's really bad. Of course, Nuge likes Ted Cruz. Yeah, right. And like, he's got this weird Texas connection because Greg Abbott. Rick Perry and Ted Cruz are all Texas guys, but like you're from Michigan. Right. That's why I was like, why is he like, why is he in the Texas newspapers? I don't, he's got like a Texas. Oh, the, the Texas newspaper, the Nathan Smith article was because he was touring in Texas that night. Okay. I mean, I'm he Um, seems like the kind of person that would do well in Texas. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Nugent later endorsed Donald Trump and during the last week of the U.S. presidential election campaign performed at a number of Trump rallies in Michigan, including Trump's final campaign rally in Grand Rapids. Yeah, I remember this, unfortunately. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and, th- and honestly, this was kind of my first introduction to like Ted Nugent, the bad person. Because mm. I, like, do- I like didn't care about him at all, really. On April 19th, 2017, Nugent, in the company of Kid Rock and Sarah Palin, had a long-planned visit to the White House. According to Nugent, the visit lasted for four hours and was like, quote, a family reunion. Nugent described it as a wonderful personal tour of every room, followed by photo sessions and dinner with Trump. Um, what does he mean by family reunion? I don't fucking know, man. (laughs) Two peas in a pod. Uh, someone he wants to fuck, yeah. I guess. I don't know. Like uh, In 2018, Nugent released a new record called The Music Made Me Do It, which features the song Cocked, Locked, and Ready to Rock, and I Just Want to Go Hunting. So let's take a quick listen to Cocked, Locked, and Ready to Rock. I actually haven't listened to this yet because oh, no. I want my first experience to be here with you. Oh, God. Here we go. Hold on. It just sounds like faster cat scratch fever. It sure does. You should have seen it coming. You should have been prepared. Now you're going to pay. This is horrible. Here comes a revolution. Time is running out. But I got the solution. Oh, what is the solution? Fill your hands, you son of a bitch. I'm cocked. I'm locked. You're ready. What did he say? Your hands, you son of a bitch. Build your ha- build your hedge. I don't know. I don't love people talking about like a final solution. I understand. Big brother's coming with a fire in his eyes. This is this is atrocious. This is 
Right now is the time. Time to make up your mind. Time to make a stand. <gasps> Put a gun Holy in your hand. Holy shit. That's Hawk the Sky. Yeah, this song sucks. I'm, I'm going to stop it. So, oh. Oh. Uh, in recent years, face. In recent years, Nugent has become like a Facebook uncle. Uncle? Uh, just yeah, just like some fucking random conservative guy on Facebook that like spews nonsense. Oh yeah. So this is from the Coalition to Stop Gun Violence. Nugent has stuck. Nugent has sunk to a new low with a series of statements that are so overtly racist and anti-Semitic they call into question why the NRA is continuing to allow him to represent their organization. Calling into question is not how I would phrase that, but point taken. Nugent posted a meme on Facebook claiming that Jewish Americans are behind the national push for tougher gun laws. The visual features a thumbnail fo- thumbnail photos of prominent Jewish Americans, including Michael Bloomberg, Chuck Schumer, Chicago former Chicago Mayor Rahm Emanuel, and Harvard Professor Alan Dershowitz, and several others each with a photo emblazoned with the Israeli flag. Wait, he like photoshopped it? I think he shared a photoshopped thing, but yes. The post was accompanied by a written message ostensibly from Ted, quote, know these punks. They hate freedom. They hate good over evil. They would deny us the basic human right to self-defense and to, in all caps, keep and bear arms. While many of them have tax paid hired armed security know them well tell everyone the number one you know just how evil they are um okay so then what happened <laughs> i mean fucking nothing. nothing he's faced not a con- not a single consequence in his life um speaking to conspiracy theorist alex jones oh. friend of the show Nugent said, blacks can fix the black problem tonight if they just admit that they can do anything I can do. What? Anything that any American can do if you put your heart and soul into being honest and law abiding. Then he claimed racism against blacks was gone by the time I started touring the nation in the late 60s. Ted. Um, excuse me? Buddy. First of all, Ted. Why don't you have a seat? Has he ever seen the news? Has he ever seen his own benefit concert that he put on after the assassination of Dr. King? Oh, yeah. <laughs> During a paid appearance before the Association of Entrepreneurs, so this is not a gun rally. This the is Association of Entrepreneurs. Why did the Association of Entrepreneurs invite Ted Nugent? Is he an entrepreneur? Fuck if I know. I get, what, I, what's his uh, business? Being a shit. <laughs> Okay. And business is a boom. <laughs> During a paid appearance before an association of entrepreneurs, Nugent bragged about killing 450 feral hogs with a machine gun <gasps> in Texas. He did. Oh, my God. And then added, quote, and now if they would l- just let me take to South Central L.A. <gasps> Dude, this guy's a violent criminal. Yeah. Bad person. Okay. So let. Let's let Ted Nugent defend himself, okay? Because we haven't really allowed him to speak in his own defense. Haven't we? 
He said, I'm not racist. I'm not sexist. <laughs> go, along, go, go along with me on this one. Okay. So this is from Enemy. Ted Nugent has responded to allegations of racism, denying the claims, and calling himself, quote, the anti-racist. The response came after Nugent recently revealed that he lost a sponsor for his TV show, Spirit of the Wild, due to allegations of racism made against him, saying, quote, Everybody who pays attention, not the ones who call me racist, but the people who are actually honest and pay attention, know that I have paid homage and reverence to the black heroes of music all my life, which means I am the anti-racist. So if you find someone who calls Ted Nugent a racist, you are looking at a subhuman piece of shit who lives a lie. Subhuman. So Ted Nugent the blacks is- can fix the black problem tonight if they just admit that they can do anything I, a white man, can do. He added, I'm a living, walking, breathing, passionate music lover that was in the eye of the music storm at the most important time in the history of music. Coming right out of the electrification of the guitar by Les Paul and how Chuck Berry and Bo Diddley and The Ventures and Dwayne Eddy and Little Richard and Jerry Lee Lewis, who wasn't black, and Elvis Presley, who wasn't black, took that black music and we celebrated it in song. We took that black music. There you go. You took it. There it is. So typically this would be the end of the story. If not for the COVID-19. Pandemic. Oh, God damn it. So this is from the independent rock guitarist. Ted Nugent has called the COVID pandemic a dirty lying scam as recently as two weeks ago. So social media reacted with the predictable and justified schadenfreude when he announced on Monday, this is April of 2021, on a Facebook Live video that he had tested positive for COVID-19. Oh, my God. Quote, I thought I was dying. I literally could hardly crawl out of bed the last few days, he said, before adding, maybe it's not even COVID. (laughs) <laughs> I'm thinking it's just cat scratch fever. Wait, did he say that? He did say that. It's just cat scratch fever? He said, maybe it's not even COVID. I'm thinking it's cat, just cat scratch fever. Oh my God, what a psycho. Uh, Nugent then went on to use racist language about the virus before giving debunked reasons why he hasn't taken the vaccine. He called the virus Chinese shit. Chinese shit? Oh, Chinese shit? Chi- Chinese shit. I ain't scared of nothing, Nugent said two weeks before his COVID diagnosis. This year's tour is canceled again. Dirty lying scam. Smoke and mirrors. COVID-19 freaks. I guess I would ask you, because I'm addicted to truth, logic, and common sense, (laughs) and my common sense meter would demand the answer to, why weren't we shut down for COVID 1 through 18? (laughs) COVID-1 through 18 didn't shut anything down. But whoa, COVID-19, even though it's 99.8% survivable, why didn't we shut down for the AIDS epidemic or the flu or influenza? That's what the flu is every year. (laughs) Ted, buddy. He's just not smart. COVID-19 is named 19 because it was discovered in 2019, Theodore. Not because it's, it's like Fast and the Furious 10. <laughs> He's seriously dumb. And like, what are his fans? I mean, who are his fans also these dumb. days? Are they like young My rednecks? My one student. Yeah, basically. Oh, and old rednecks. And old rednecks. Okay. They quote, they've claimed 500,000 people have died from COVID-19. BS. You're right, Ted. Now it's a million. Nugent went on to say that medical professionals have 
been made to put COVID-19 as the cause of death in hospitals, no matter what the cause of death was, which is also just completely false. Unfortunately, unfortunately, Nugent is still alive and and making music. He's releasing a new album in 2022 called Detroit Muscle. Detroit Muscle? I don't know anything about it. And is he touring again? He he he, he, he probably going to tour again cuz this that, that's how he like makes money. Um and he's just being Ted all day every day. He regularly speaks at Donald Trump rallies and he recently this is weird. I was I was talking to my friend Taylor who's a musician from North Carolina uh about the show that we were about to do, right? And uh and he said that when he was in North Carolina, he like went to he went on Facebook and, you know, caught up with some old friends or whatever and saw that some uncle that he had posted a curious video reposted a, a curious video that the new Ted posted about how much he loves Donald Trump's balls. Come again? I wish I wish I were joking. Thank you for your balls. Love the balls. Big fan of the balls. Love the balls, big fan of the balls. What is this? Thank you for your balls. Love the balls. Big fan of the balls. He was talking about how much he loves Donald Trump's balls. No, I understand that, but like what is there more context I'm missing? Like how did this come up? I think I think he's talking about his masculinity. Okay. His metaphorical balls, but could have fooled me. And there is like a very paper thin line between these dudes who like super prioritize like male machismo and they're like i love you mr president i want to suck your dick like really weird internalized homophobia that like turns into like fucking i don't know it's it's very strange the these fucking rednecks are more obsessed with dicks than the like sluts that they slut shame you know what i mean we don't call people sluts but i'm <laughs> using the you know yeah I know. you know what i'm saying um so what we're going to go out on today is a song by a band called Goldfinger. Are you familiar I love with Goldfinger. Goldfinger? Yeah, I love Goldfinger too. So this is a song off their album, Open Your Eyes, which came out in 2002, and it's called Fuck Ted Nugent. To be fair, this came largely before anyone knew what a horrible racist and sexist he was and goldfinger or a bunch of vegans so this has a lot more to do with him as a hunter than a racist but the sentiment remains also hunting is terrible like oh you're how is it even possibly a sport when you have a gun and it's an innocent animal uh yeah and and listen like i i come from pennsylvania i know a lot of people who like do quote unquote practice the sport of hunting but when you're mowing down 450 feral hogs with a machine gun that's not hunting that's not hunting in the in the gamesmanship sense like what the fuck are you talking about ted oh, i hate him so much okay where can people find us on the internet Lindsay? find us on the internet at lyrics for lunch on instagram and twitter and for longer and weirder stuff email us at lyrics for lunch at gmail.com Leave a rating and review wherever you get your podcast. It's the best way to for people to find us. Tell your racist conservative uncles to listen to this episode. Fuck Ted Nugent. Fuck Ted Nugent. And fuck the NRA. And tune in next and, and the NRA. Um, and tune in next week when we do this all again. 
with just a just a different horrible musician i'm assuming <laughs> no i'm hoping next week's gonna be um not terrible great we'll see we, we try to space them out tune in to find out so until next time i'm aviv rubenstein i'm lindsey tucker saying fuck, fuck ted, ted newton, newton.